Dear God, I need your presence, your power. Lord, I yield myself to thee and ask you, please, fill me. Almighty God, it's been a long and busy week, but I need you. I need your presence. I need your power, your guidance. And Lord, that somebody's life might be helped and changed today, please. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an amazing story that we see here in the book of John, and, and it's a story that we've heard much about, but that's an incredible story on the power of God. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have a very powerful God, to have a great God, a God who can do anything. But, you know, this is, a, this is such an extreme thing. It would be kind of like today if, you know, you had a little, you know, uh, boy that came in here or a person that came in here and had a sack of food this morning and they just began to reach in it and started handing everybody a sandwich and they were able to hand everybody in this room a sandwich and then just keep going. Now, for a little boy to be able to do that, that would be miraculous. For a woman to do that out of her purse, it would not be a big thing <laughs> because uh, they, they have everything in their purse. So they probably got enough to feed us all in there right now. But, but I just want to take a really quick look at the story and see how I believe this might have really happened. And it's what I love to do in the Bible. I love to look at the stories, the situation in the Bible, and look at the evidence, so to speak, that's in the Bible and see, you know, when we read it, we think in our minds, we read it, we hear it preached, and we just kind of formulate a way in which things happen. I've never gotten to go to, the, to uh, Israel, to the Middle East. I've never been able to do that. But I, but I hear from everybody that does, everybody that goes there, it's like it, they, it changes all the visualization of the Bible, you know, you suddenly you see things in a way you've never seen it before. And, uh, but so many times I, you know, I read through this or I heard it preached to different things and I had this image of the way things happen. Then one day I just began to look through it and sort of look at the evidence and kind of break it down. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to very quick look at the story and see how I believe this might have really happened. And so, uh, number one, I think Jesus is having a, a conversation with Philip. That's pretty evident. The evidence is there. Jesus is talking to Philip. So, Jesus, would you get up, please? I'm doing this because your, your, your child is here today and your wife's here today. And so I'm trying to convince. Amen. I'm trying to help her all I can. And so, uh, uh, Brother Felton, you're going you're gonna to be Philip today. You ready? Feel like standing for a little while? Good, because you're going to do it the rest of the day. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so we, we got them here. And, uh, and so we got Jesus here, we got Philip here, and they're having a conversation. Now, we also have Andrew. So, Andrew, I want you to go down here to the floor. Now, I want you to stay right there, just stay right there. Now, Jesus is having a conversation with Philip. So, these two are talking. But it's obviously not a private conversation. Why, well, how do we know that? How do we know it's not a private conversation? They're not whispering to each other. How do we know that? Because Andrew is going to hear it, right? We did. Y'all read that, didn't you? Okay. We do not know how, Andrew, how far away Andrew is. But from the conversation Obviously, it's enough so that Philip did not see the boy that Andrew's going to talk about here in a moment. But it's close enough for him to hear the conversation. 
because Andrew's going to respond here in just a minute to the question that Jesus, Jesus says to, to Philip, you know, well, look, uh, you need to make them sit down. We need to feed these people. And Philip's saying, well, there's no way. Oh, man, I mean, if we, if we had money, we couldn't go buy enough bread to, to feed all these people. And so here's some things to consider. This is the way I think it's kind of set up. You got, you got Jesus, you got Philip, you got Andrew in between the crowd and Jesus because we're going to see he's going to see the boy before they do, so he must be in between the crowd and Jesus. So, so some things to consider. Do you think, here's what I want you to think about, do you think this is the only person among thousands? It says 5,000 men. Now, many people believe it could be anywhere from 12 to 15,000 people, including, uh, including women and children. So do you think this is the only person among the thousands that had food with them? Think about it, the absolute only person among all these thousands that had food with them. Now, let me help you, ladies. Probably in this room right now, there's some lady, you got a candy bar in your purse. Now, there's, there's just some way, there, there's just no way to me. Probability is, out of all these thousands, this is not the only kid that had some food. Number two, how did Andrew spot this one lone boy in the crowd of thousands? How did Andrew see all these thousands of people and somehow he saw this boy? Or how did Andrew know, this is the real question, this is really, really amazed me. Somehow he saw this one boy out of all these thousands with food, but not only did he see him, he knew exactly what he had in his lunch. If you read the scripture, we're not going to go through the scripture again. We just read through it. But, but the fact is, is that he not only says he has a lunch, he says, he tells Jesus exactly what's in the lunch. Everybody with me? Okay. So here's the possibilities. Now, possibility number one is Andrew is in reality Superman and he has x-ray vision. Number two, there was a long period of time that elapsed in between verse 6 and 7, sort of the gap theory of the Gospels, where Andrew searched this massive crowd trying to find some kid with a lunch. And you, nobody understood that one at all. And so, no, uh, it didn't happen. Andrew, number three, Andrew might have spotted the kid earlier and marked him thinking he could talk the kid out of part of his lunch because this is going to be a long day. And everybody's going to get hungry, and he knew he saw this kid with a lunch, and he's kept his eye on him ever since. Or number four, Andrew had the nose of a bloodhound and smelled out the kid's lunch. Now, that's probably none of these things happened. And this is what suddenly made me realize, wait a minute, how in the world could this man know or spot a kid with a lunch and know what was in it? The only way this could have happened reasonably was as that Jesus spoke to Philip, Andrew stood a short distance away, maybe a few feet, but they were in close proximity of the crowd. Now, here's the reason they all in close proximity of the crowd because they spoke, Jesus spoke loud enough. Would you say, uh, how are we going to feed these people? How many have heard that? Okay. The fact that Andrew heard what Jesus said 
means there's a distinct possibility that others heard the conversation. You see, if Andrew could hear what Jesus was saying, that means maybe some other people could hear it too. So without a doubt, and the other fact to remember, without a doubt, more than one kid had this food. One, one, more than one person had this food. Here's what I believe actually happened. It took me years and years to see this simplistic thing, but Andrew didn't go find the boy. I believe one young boy heard the conversation. I think that one young boy heard that Jesus needed food. You see, when Jesus starts talking about food, what happens is, is that one young boy with the faith of a little child. Do you know that children have incredible faith? They have incredible trust. You see, I believe with the simple faith that only a child has. Here, here's what I'm trying to describe to you. Uh, the wedding of my, first, well, my second daughter, but she got married first. And my preacher, Dr. Howells, before he went to heaven, he performed the wedding. And, and he, had, he would throw in a little bit of humor there, here or there. And, and we had a little four-year-old ring bearer that came forward. It was Titus Gillespie. He came forward. And Titus, you had to know Titus. Titus was just a live wire. And by the time Titus got to the front, I think one of his suspenders was off. His, his shirt was untucked. Everything was a total mess. And then he got to the front, and he got bored with the wedding. So he sat down on the front pew and did this. <laughs> so his shirt's hanging out, his suspenders hanging off, he's got, he's got his head, and, and it gets to the end of the wedding, and Brother Howells made a comment. He said, you know, I never take a dime for a wedding. He said, this being Bob Hooker's daughter, I wouldn't have gotten a dime. <laughs> well, he was right, actually. So, uh, But Titus got up. All of a sudden, he got up and he walked over to preacher and he held out his hand. And I've never seen preacher laugh so hard in my life because in that boy's hand was a dime. He had a dime in his pocket. When preacher said, I've never gotten a dime for a sermon, he just thought, well, he wants a dime. And he walked over to hand him a dime. You know, that's, that, that's the way it can. My wife always tells me, she said, Rob, under 10, they're literal. I mean, because I'll tell them, you know, I'll, I'll say all kinds of crazy things to my kids and my grandkids, and she'll look at me and say, Rob, don't say that to them because they're going to believe you because they're literal. And look, that little boy thought he wanted to not, that little boy out in the crowd thought Jesus wants food. So the way that I believe it happens, one young boy steps out of the crowd. Yes. But here's what happens. I believe Andrew is a bodyguard. And Andrew stops this boy that's headed toward Jesus and says, son, what are you doing? And the little boy says, Jesus is hungry. I heard him say so. 
Jesus needs food, and I have food. And probably the little boy reached in and just pulled out the cover and said, I've got food. I'm wondering if Andrew's trying to keep from laughing. Because as he thought, a few loaves and fishes, God bless this little guy. He thinks this is going to make a difference. But see, here's the great thing. It was the great faith of a little boy who took what he had to Jesus. Now, it's amazing when you take what you've got to Jesus, what he can do with it. You can go ahead and sit down, Joshua. Leave the bread, man. How else could Andrew know exactly what the boy had? Unless somehow that was brought to him and shown to him, there's no way that he could know exactly what was in there. One young boy among thousands in simple faith brings all he has to Jesus. Now listen to me. All through the crowd, adults, older teens had their food too, I believe. The difference is, it was hidden. The difference is, is as you get a little bit older, here's what happens. When you're young in faith, you see that little boy that brought his food? They were going to be out for days. They're in a desert place. This is all that he has. Do you understand the level of faith it is for a little boy to bring everything he's got? His food for the day? But what I believe happened in his heart is he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know you won't let me go hungry. I can give you everything, but I know you'll still take care of me. And that little boy brought everything that he had by this faith, not even worried about what he's going to do, but all around him in the crowd, I believe there were other people that were, man, he just said something about food. Man, I thought they had this all prepared. You know, I brought a sandwich just in case. But I know one thing, hey, honey, if nobody else has got food around here, we better go hide behind that rock I'm not pulling this out until we get over here where we can eat it. Hello? You know, because that's the way we get the older we get. The older we get, now, now you know, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I give, I'm liable to go hungry today. This is all I got. That's why Jesus said, let him come with the faith of a child. So a little boy comes. Others heard Jesus' need and concern, but this one little lad said, Jesus, I believe in you, and if you need all I have, you can have it. You can call it faith, trust, belief, whatever you want, but one little boy said, I don't have, listen to this, I don't have much, but you can have all I have. 
He stepped out. He heard the voice of God in his heart. He responded completely and totally. He gave all. His food was his life. It was his existence out in that desert. But while others held on to their lives, hid their lives, waiting for everyone to disperse to make sure they would not have to even share, one boy willingly said, I will give it all. And you men can sit down four years ago July the 17th I and others of my family buried this little lad so very few people have an opportunity to meet somebody out of the scripture but I had the privilege of knowing such a young man as the little boy the little lad He was married to my daughter for only three months at 21 years of age, diagnosed with terminal cancer. In January 2008, just three months after his marriage, he was to graduate in May from college. He had a job as an assistant pastor lined up. They had a little money in the bank and owned a little home. He had a beautiful wife, a ministry, a future, possessions, intelligence, athletically extremely talented. He had it all, but on Friday night, while working midnight shift at a job, he stopped and prayed this prayer. Listen to this. God, I want you to use me. God, you can have all I have, my money, my home, my possession, my health, if, we, if you will use me. By his own testimony, he then added, Lord, please don't do anything to Amber, but God, she's yours too. Saturday morning after praying that prayer, he did what he always did. He went to Great Lakes Naval Base to win sailors and get them to come down and play ball and go to church. Saturday night, he and his, his sailors played basketball for hours. They, they say the last play of the night, Matt stole the ball and drove the length of the court and dunked it. But Sunday morning, after Saturday night winning sailors to Christ, Sunday morning he was in the hospital and before the day was over, was informed that he had a rare form of cancer. It was in doubt that he would live out the week. But God answered his prayer and Matt preached and won souls and stayed in the ministry having great influence over the, over the nation for the next two and a half years. Matt and Amber believed God did not give. I want you to listen to this. Matt and Amber believed God did not give Matt cancer in answer to his prayer but rather that Matt had the cancer when he prayed the prayer already what God gave him was two and a half years of life God did it to prove him just like he did with Philip Matt heard the voice of God and said I have a little but you can have it all please take it and use it Lord and God took and multiplied the days he had left to be used. And I want you to meet that young man now. Brother Wayne, if you would darken it, I'll go ahead and do this. Sorry, Brother Wayne, we're not getting sound.
Hi, my name is Matt Guzzi, and I'm standing here in Northeast Philadelphia. I'm actually standing at the house that my family moved into 15 years ago. And when I was around nine years old, my parents got divorced. And then when I was around 11, uh, my mom began searching for the truth about God, the Bible, and we began going to different churches and uh, just looking for the truth. And the Lord worked it out to where she actually got a job right next to a storefront church, Maranatha Baptist Church. It was pastored by Dennis Higgins and uh, right in the heart of the city. And my mom decided to visit there and she got saved. Going to church at Maranatha and having Pastor Higgins as my pastor changed the entire direction of my life. And then Pastor Higgins started a church over in New Jersey, Harbor Baptist Church. And uh, so my mom took me and my brother and I and we moved across the bridge. And I started attending Solid Rock Christian School. Uh, and at 12 years old, after a school devotion, uh, Brother Charlie preached and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And uh, when I was 13 years old, I listened to a sermon CD that was called American Needs Preaching. And I knew in my heart that God was calling me to be a preacher and I surrendered to that call. I then graduated from Christian school and uh, from Bible college. I married my beautiful wife, Amber. And uh, I actually now get to work for the man in whose church I walked into when I was 11 years old. And you know, as I stand here now at the age of 22, coming back to my old neighborhood, I just think about the millions of people that live in the city of Philadelphia. I'm amazed that God has saved me and put me into the ministry. I have cancer. It's a rare and aggressive cancer. There's no medical cure for it. If somebody had the cure for my type of cancer, anywhere on earth, I don't care where it was, I would go there today to get treated for it. Cancer is a very cruel disease. It brings a lot of sorrow, heartache, and pain. Cancer is a killer. It would be a terrible thing if somebody had the cure for cancer and wasn't willing to share it. You know, but sin is a lot worse than cancer. And a sin disease is not rare. Everybody has it. Sin is cruel, crueler than cancer is. Sin disease doesn't just bring sorrow, heartache, and pain. It's the cause of all heartache, sorrow, and pain. Sin disease is a killer. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Cancer kills the body, but sin kills the soul. Physical death is bad, but spiritual death is a lot worse. The disease of sin causes lost people to die and spend an eternity in hell. But thank God there is a cure for sin. There's a medicine. There is a remedy. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The cure for sin disease is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the truth that my mom was looking for and found. He's the life. He's my life. Cancer may take my physical life, but because I'm saved, I know that I have eternal life in heaven. And I want to live. I've been praying and I'm praying that God will completely heal me of my cancer. And that's not because I want to live a long life. That's because I want to reach the Northeast for the Lord. I want to help build Harbor Baptist Church. I want to help see other churches start in the Northeast. But to be honest, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. I may live a long time. I may not. I'm not sure if I'll get all the earthly opportunities to do what's in my heart for the Lord. But all of us, both you and I, need to take the most of the opportunities that God gives us right now. And just like I was reached as a kid in Philadelphia, the kids in Philadelphia today and the people in the Northeast all need to be reached with the gospel. And just like Pastor Higgins came to where I was, he came to my neighborhood, someone needs to go to where these millions of kids are. You know, if there was no Maranatha Baptist Church, I probably wouldn't have gotten saved. I probably wouldn't have gotten called to preach. I probably wouldn't have married my wife. Right now, as I go through this battle with cancer, I wouldn't have the Lord's help and His comfort through this time. 
You know, it'd be bad if somebody had the cure for cancer and didn't share it, but it's worse if someone has the cure for sin and doesn't share it. You have the cure. My question for you is, are you going to share it? You have the remedy. I deserve hell, but I believe Jesus.
the uh, video is very special to me. <clears throat> you notice the at the end there, Matt walks over to two people across the street from his old home in in South Philadelphia. And he begins to win them to Christ. That's what he did. That's who he was. He was a soul winner. That wasn't part of the video. That wasn't something set up. He was done. They were done with the video that they were making about his life, knowing that there was a possibility God might take him. They were completely done, and but Matt had not taken the microphone off, and so they were done with the video and the filming, and so he saw those young men walk across the street, and he went over there and began to witness to them and want them to Christ. And they turned the microphones back on there to catch the end of him praying with them. Matt was a, a ghetto kid without a father at home who could have been just like the rest of the world but he said to Jesus you can have all I got I don't have much but you can have all I have you can have me He had one other prayer that no one knew about until just before he went to heaven. That night he had prayed and told the Lord, Lord, you use me. But he also said, and Father, do what you need to to save my daddy, the daddy who no longer lived with them, who Matt had wanted to see saved ever since he was he got saved at 12 years of age. About two hours before Matt went to heaven, he hadn't spoken in two or three hours at least and seemed to be incoherent just as you are right before you enter heaven. But about two hours before Matt went to heaven, I knelt in front of Matt's dad and told him what Matt would have said one more time if he could. And Matt's dad trusted Christ. About an hour before Matt entered into heaven, Matt's dad leaned over to his ear and told him that they would be together in heaven. I can still remember as when his, Matt's dad said that, Matt never opened his eyes. He had not spoken in hours but with his eyes closed, he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to this day, I don't believe he was saying thank you to me or thank you to his dad. He said three times, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think he was saying thank you to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. He was just a little lad that said, you can have all I have. And people think, well, man, but God took his life. But no, God gave him two and a half years of life. The week he was diagnosed with cancer, he was not supposed to live the week. 
But in that two and a half years, in just one sermon, he preached over a thousand teenagers. God used him and has continued to use him through this video. The video was, was viewed by over 40-something countries within 24 hours of his homecoming. And just like the little boy, the little boy didn't go home hungry. He gave his lunch to the Lord. And many people will say, you know, they gathered up 12 baskets. And I've heard preachers say, you know, that was a basket for each disciple. No, it wasn't. It wasn't theirs. I believe the little boy went home with 12 baskets full of food. And just like the little lad left with more than he came, Matt left this earth with overflowing baskets of lives that had been won, influenced, and changed because he gave what he had. And my challenge to you is if you've not trusted this kind of God, if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you heard Matt, knowing that he might not have another, and at this point he had a little over a year to live. But you understand when you stand like he did, knowing that death is coming, barring a miracle, he said, I know that I have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. 